0: We are uh, in this little series. It was going to be eight weeks. It's now going to be 12 weeks uh, of Romans chapter eight. It's going to take us right through to uh, the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, It was life in the spirit, so we were only going to go through to verse uh, 27, uh, but there's so much good stuff from verse 28 to 39, isn't it? Yeah, so we're going to keep going. Uh, So yeah, be encouraged by that. Uh, And uh, we've just been looking at such incredible Deep, profound, life changing truths in this series through Romans chapter 8. We are looking. Sorry, I'm just letting you know that apparently my wife's calling me right now, but she doesn't appear, she doesn't doesn't know she's doing it, so I thought, I can't really speak to you just now, sorry. Anything urgent? Cool, we'll pick up on that later. Um, (laughs) So, I keep this here because it's got the time on it, you see. That's why it's it's for your blessing that I keep it there. Not so Lindsay can call me M. So we're thinking about some amazing realities in these verses. So we're going to read, like when Dominic preached on verses 10 and 11, he read from verses 1 to 11. Today we're on verses 12 and 13. We're going to read from verse 1 because there's such good stuff in this. Uh, God's blessing to us. So let's read Romans 8 verse 1. And we're going to stop a little bit along the way. There is therefore... so one of the things we've been looking at is that what this chapter lays out is that every human being lives under one of two laws, is the language there in verse 2. Two ultimate realities, you could speak of them as, as ways of life, of powers that we live under, so there is the, there is the way of sin and death. And there is the way of the spirit of life. And we we learn that that all of us naturally live under the law of sin and death, but the Holy Spirit sets us free in Christ Jesus. That means he can set us free on the basis of what Christ has done, his finished work. He sets us free from the law of sin and death to the law of uh, the spirit of life. So we don't live under that old way anymore. This is all grace from God. And then we see how we are to walk in that reality. Verse 4. In order that the righteous, and and Darren, I'm just remembering now, I know I said NIV. When we get to the main bit, we are going to be in the NIV. Sorry, this is ESV for now. Uh, I've got my NIV verses written in here and my little pink slips there. But Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh You see, now there's the reality of what's happened to us, and now Paul's speaking about how we live. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God so this is not just a past tense reality that we look back to and can say yeah we've we've done that that's happened to us or maybe it's not yet but there is something that this is we live according to this we walk according to this we set our minds on the things of the spirit everything is different for those who are no longer under the old way everything and this is when that when we know that reality it is to us it's life and peace There in verse 6, let's keep going. Verse 9, consider this wonderful reality that you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. We just spent some time trying to reflect on the wonder that God dwells in us. And even a couple of weeks ago when Dominic was preaching, he just came back to that naturally in his sermon and said, wow, isn't it amazing? That God lives in us. And we tried to look at what that means for our lives and we're gonna see another huge implication of this for our lives in the verses today. And then last two weeks ago, sorry, last time we were in this passage, we, we, we were looking at the wonderful reality of the life that we have through the Spirit. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin the spirit is life because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit through his spirit who dwells in you so we have spiritual life now even though our bodies are failing and we have physical life renewed to come through the power of the Spirit. And we just we're just reflecting on the blessing that is. That even our greatest enemy, that of death itself, is defeated, is done away with. We need not fear it. We have an anchor that keeps the soul through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are deep Reality, speaking of rest with God, forgiveness, freedom from that which would bind us and hold us back, the reality of God in us, among us, and the sure and certain hope that we can have through the deepest trials. These are rich, profound implications for our life. And now we come to another very important implication of life with the Spirit of God within us. So I'm going to read these words from the NIV, just simply because I just think they're a little plainer, a little more easy to understand than the way the ASV puts it. So, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So you see, Paul is just continuing to contrast these two different ways of life, these two different ultimate realities under which we live. They're, they're, it's either about life according to the flesh or it's life according to the spirit. And here before us in these verses are life and death issues laid before us. And it's all to do with the issue of sin, what we do with sin in our lives. Now, you might have picked up the word sin actually isn't in verse 12 and 13. The way that it's put in those verses, in verse 12 and 13, he speaks about living according to the flesh Uh, And in verse 13, Paul speaks of the, it's actually the deeds of the body, but the NIV in trying to make it clear uh, adds in that little miss. It's about the misdeeds of the body. And and the point here is that that Paul's not speaking about some philosophical reality, but he's speaking about what our bodies do. He's speaking about our hands, our feet, the thoughts that we have, the the words that we speak. And he's he's saying that, that our bodies act in a way contrary to the way that God designed them to act. And that's why the NIV translates it misdeeds, just to make that really clear. Um, we're, doing, we're talking about doing the the wrong thing here. Some of the language that the Bible uses, sometimes the Bible will speak of transgressions. Uh, and, and most commonly we would think of the word sin. Sin. That's not necessarily a nice topic to think about, is it? I want you to know that there is hope today. There is good news. Today, But in order to know the sweetness of hope, we do have to understand the the, the reality of the sourness in which we ultimately naturally live. And Paul wants us to know that one huge implication of life in the Spirit has to do with how we think about sin. So, we maybe think that that's an old fashioned word, or we maybe think it's a bit of a harsh word to think about, a harsh reality to think about, but it's absolutely crucial that we never give up considering how to deal with sin. It's a, it's a Bible word. We better not give up on it. And we've got to think about this in, in different ways. We have to deal with the sin in our lives. But we can't just stop there. We don't come. I, I was praying, as I was drumming, that we would know that we're one body here today. So we don't just think about the sin in our lives as individuals, but we think, well, what about us as a family? What about us as a church? How are we relating to God and relating to one another? So we have to think about what's God teaching us about the sin among us? And then also, crucially, we have to also have something to say about the sin in the world, and we in the church should be people who stand against some of the horrific acts of evil that happen in this world. And we do that in numerous ways. Heidi was at street pastors training yesterday. Why? Because she knows that on a Saturday night, a Friday night in town, there's, there's horrible things that go, that, go, that go on. And she wants to stand there and say, no, no, I, I, I belong to King Jesus, and his kingdom has a different way of working. That's why we support IGM. That's why we together should be standing up for injustice in our lives in various ways. So there's, there's many different ways that we need to think about this issue of sin. It's crucial that we deal with this. Mainly because of what it says so plainly in verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, you might say, well, all of us are going to die. Paul's not speaking about that kind of death. We know that because just in the previous verses that Dominic was preaching on, he spoke then about the reality of physical death. But he's not speaking about that here. Paul is speaking here about spiritual death. About eternal separation from our Creator God. And and he's saying, if you live according to the flesh, if you live in your sin, if you stick to that old way, you will die. So, the least loving thing we could do would be to not talk about these realities, to try and sweep them under the carpet, to try and dumb it down, to try and soften the language. That's not loving. We have to speak about these things. And it's also important that we speak about these things because we all naturally fall into different ways of thinking about sin and engaging with this reality in our day-to-day lives. I'm gonna illustrate this by way of two videos I watched this week. One we're gonna watch and one were not. The first is a video from six years ago. I might have shown it here. I definitely showed it at a, uh, we did an NBC Holy Week service. that I spoke at down at uh, down at uh, St Devs. I might, I definitely showed it there. I'm not sure if I've shown it here before, but it's from six years ago, so the video quality is a bit poor. But the two characters, this this was one of the kind of first kind of videos that went viral. And the two characters in this video uh, ended up on the Ellen DeGeneres show. That's how that's how big this video got. So we'll watch this just now. John, what are you eating? Okay. You didn't eat anything. Yeah. Okay. John, look like at mommy. Anything. Are you telling me the truth? You didn't have any snacks? Nope. Let me see. You did not have any snacks. Open wide, let me see.
1: Really? You didn't have any snacks?
0: John, come here. John, can you explain to me why why the sprinkles are empty? Well, they're not empty. John, look at me. they not empty? Did you eat those sprinkles? No, I did not. You know it's not nice to tell stories and to lie, right? Look at Mommy. You're not supposed to lie. Tell me now. Did you eat those sprinkles? No, I did not John, mm-hmm. you have sprinkles on your face. Um, no, no! I did not eat I, did not eat. <laughs> I love, I love how he just shuffles, shuffles away at the end. I think, I think I'm rumbled here. Sorry, just stood on the microphone. There is so much that we can learn from that video. Now, as we do. Let's be careful to identify with the little boy and not look down on him. Jesus had a lot to say about people who look down on those and who criticize those who are in sin or whatever. And we might find ourselves doing that with the kid or maybe maybe with the mom. Who knows? Maybe that's what you're thinking. But we, we, we don't want to come with that posture of pride or self-righteousness. We want to deal with the planks in our own eyes before we deal with the specks or the sprinkles in, uh, on his face. But, but, but we can identify with this little boy, right? I mean, the only, the only reason we wouldn't try the tactics he does to get out of it is because we know that people don't fall for it as simply as he thought they, they do. But there's so much we can learn from that video. We can learn about how naturally it came to him to lie. No child needs to be taught to do wrong things, right? We can learn how his lies just brought about more lies, how his brain kicked in to help him cover his tracks. We said, they're, they're not empty. That was a pretty clever strategy to throw back at his, his mum in that moment. How convinced he was of it all. Like it was even like he completely believed uh, the reality that he, was, he wasn't scrambling to find a way out. He's like, no, I've not eaten any snacks. And, uh, you know, apart from, like I say, he sort of gave himself away at the end with his little shuffle back there. But, but is this video not illustrative of how we often engage with sin in our lives. I want us to think about this. How do we engage with the sin in our lives? And, and so that we're not thinking in the abstract, I'm just inviting you, just when you're sitting there, just as I speak, in just a moment of quiet, take a moment and ponder one area of your life which has been a struggle for you, one area where you know you're not living, or you have tended not to live, as God would want you to live. Even if you're not a Christian here today, even if you don't believe in God or you don't buy concepts of sin, you know what I'm getting at. The stumbles, the struggles, the difficulties, the things that you do wrong, mistakes you've made. Take a moment and ponder and have something in your mind when we're thinking about this. That's why Paul speaks of misdeeds of the body. Interesting here, he doesn't use the word flesh, that word sarks that we've been hearing about, this, this concept of the old way. Here he uses soma, our body. And it's because he really wants us to ground this in the gritty reality of our struggles, our stumbles, our sinful behavior day by day. So we should keep that in mind. Now with that in our head, we think about this video. Can we not relate to the little boy in that video regarding how we think about sin in our lives, the urgent need to defend ourselves when we find that we've been caught out by something. And that then governs every subsequent action, every subsequent word, how easily it comes to us, the sin that we struggle with again and again, no matter the, the presence of those who love us, no matter the pleas of those who love us to do what is right, how easily sin can come to us, no matter we can think of how quick we can be to justify ourselves we can become so convinced that a course of action is okay we can point something back at someone else before reflecting on the the travesty of how we have misstepped along the way and while we might sometimes shuffle back a little bit knowing that things aren't quite right ultimately the way that we often engage with sin is basically to shrug our shoulders no big no big deal we just deal with the challenges as best we can as they come along, but but even in how we watch that video, there's an illustration I think of this of how we engage with sin. I mean, what do you see in that video? Do you see something funny? Something sad? Maybe just it's just life, right? It's just little, just life, normal life, or maybe there's a lesson to learn. Well, I think you could make a case for all of those, but even with regard to how we engage and how we look on at that video, I think it is illustrative of how we think about sin in our lives. Sometimes it's funny, right? Sometimes it's a little bit sad. It's just life. It's just an opportunity to learn and to grow. But dear friends, when we get to know the God of the Bible, when we learn about who he is, when we learn about what he wants For us, when we read, for example, the Sermon on the Mount and we hear the teaching of Jesus of what it means to live in a way that would honor God in our lives, there is no question that every single human being falls short of that standard that God has for us. As Paul said it just some five chapters before. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can't read about this God and feel like, yeah, 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 I'm okay before that, God. I got it all sorted. No, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the point I'm getting at is how easily we can live with that reality. It's not how we should react to the issue of sin in our lives. There should be a quite different reaction. The other video I saw this week, I'm not going to show. Someone sent it out to try and identify three kids who bullied another child. And it went viral and it led to, last time I checked, at least one arrest because of this video as they identified the three kids and the one who was taking the video. But I found myself watching this video one lunchtime uh, via Twitter and quite suddenly it was just fairly benign until quite suddenly this horrific violence erupted, punching and kicking and stamping on this innocent, defenseless kid. And it was my reaction that spoke to me. My face contorted. My body physically recoiled. As I saw it, I went back in my chair a couple of times. I could feel my heart rate increase. I felt a bit sick, and I ultimately had to turn it off. I was angry at the injustice of it. I was sick thinking about the pain of that little boy and what he had been going through, but it was that instinctive reaction of, I need this gone from me. I need this away. That was what I felt most strongly in that moment. Maybe you can relate to that. You can think of a movie you've watched. Schindler's List came to my mind when I was thinking about it. Or a news report that you've seen. And you just think, I can't watch that. That's how we should feel about sin. That's how we should feel about sin. As I was thinking about this message on Friday, I saw that video. I was thinking about the seriousness of Romans 8 verse 13. And I felt God challenge me in that moment as I felt that Serious reaction to that video. I felt God say to me, Look at your reaction to that horrible act. That is how you should feel. That is how you should react to the reality of sin in your life. So often we treat it like the sprinkles video. No big deal. Just what happens. Just life. Just an opportunity to grow and move forward. When our reaction should be altogether different. Do you feel sick? about the reality of sin in your life? Do we recoil when we think about the same stumbles that we have again and again? Paul took sin seriously. He speaks of it in Romans in a number of different ways as, as not just things that we do from time to time, but as a power that we live under, as something that holds us Captive as something that has control over us, that that if we live under that power, like verse thirteen, if we live according to the flesh, that's what it means. If you give yourself to that way, you will die. This is how serious Paul thought about this, and even in the way that he writes these two verses, we can see this. Look in verse twelve; he's speaking quite generally. Uh, we ha- we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to. It. For if you Do you see how his tone changes? He's warning his readers now. It's not just sharing information. He's saying, if you, and he wants the reader to feel that, and we should feel that. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. John Stott writes on verse 13, and he says that it calls for a, quote, clear-sighted recognition of evil as evil, leading to such a decisive and radical repudiation of it that no imagery can do it justice except putting it to death. That's the only way that Paul can find to write about how we deal with sin here in Romans chapter 8. We have to put it to death. Now, How does this fit in the flow of our passage? Some of you might be wondering that. I mean, verses 1 and 2, right? We read them not so long ago. There's no condemnation. Why? Because the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're free from the law of sin and death. And here now, in verse 13, Paul's saying, If you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Well, which is it, Paul? Paul? Does God do this for me or do I do this for me? Well, the key thing again is to understand that Paul is laying out in these verses what life in the Spirit looks like. So verses 1 to 11, he's speaking about the freedom that we have, the forgiveness that we have, the peace and the hope and the life that we can have. And now in verse 12, he's saying, in this new life, your obligations have changed. In the old way... Apart from God, apart from God's grace, apart from God's rescue, we were enslaved to sin. We were obliged to live under that old way, under that power. We were caught up in debt to that system. That's why the ESV, that's what the word really most most literally means, that we were debtors to that old way. We were in debt to that system. There's no hope. There's no other way to live But now, Paul's saying, there is a new reality that has come of God's grace and God's life and God's freedom, and in that new reality, our obligations have altogether changed. We're no longer enslaved to the old way. We're no longer forced, compelled to live according to the flesh, but we are now set free in the Spirit, and our obligation now is to live in that freedom that the Spirit has brought about for us through the finished work of jesus christ that is how we are to live our lives it's the same thing that we come back to again and again become who you are this is what god has done now live it out in your life easy no the struggle is real right the the truth is christian if you come to jesus if you love jesus you are set free from the law of sin and death. But that doesn't mean that the struggle with sin isn't real. We, we do live with the Spirit inside us, but we do still sin. Douglas Moo uses the following illustration. Like freed slaves who might, out of habit, obey their old masters even after being released from them. So we Christians can still listen to and heed the voice of that old master of ours, the flesh. And the key question this morning is, how do you respond to that reality? How do you respond to it? Jesus took all your sin upon himself. Because of that, the Spirit can Or has for some of us, but can this morning. The Spirit can set you free, a beautiful act of grace. You're no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You're rejoicing in all the blessings of that. But still, the reality is we still go back to those old ways. How do we respond to that? Casually or with trembling? With a shoulder shrug? with sadness. Sprinkles or sorrow? Relaxed or recoil? For anyone who has come to Jesus, we have a new path to walk. We have to put sin to death. And our new path is one where, as Jesus puts it, we deny ourselves We take up our cross daily, it says in Luke chapter 9, and we follow Jesus to where? We follow Jesus to the cross where we daily, to use the language that Paul puts on sin in Galatians 5, we daily crucify our sinful passions and desires. I mean, you talk about battle, struggle. Listen to the language. We're to deny ourselves and we are to daily crucify our sinful passions and desires. We can't do that on our own. And as we come soon to take bread and juice, we don't have to do that on our own. We do that how, verse 13, by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live so we're talking about this wonderful life with God here. Life with perfect peace forevermore. How does it work? Who does it? We do it. If you put to death the misdeeds of the body, how does that come about? It comes about by the Spirit. When I was planning this sermon series, I was jotting it down on my Excel spreadsheet, I almost called it the Spirit deals with our sin. I thought, no, that's not right. It's not what verse 13 says. It says the Spirit enables us to deal with our sin. You say, well, I thought God sent me free. I thought God did that. Well, listen to what um, John Murray, a Scottish theologian, writes. He says, the believers once for all death to the law of sin, that's the gospel, that's what God does for us, that reality does not free him from the necessity of putting sin to death in his body. It makes it necessary and possible for him or her to do so. It's necessary. If you don't care about this, if you know there's been issues in your life and you don't care about it, that is to say, if you, to use the language of verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die you will die. You will face judgment before God. If you have truly been set free to live under this new rule of God's grace, you will desire to grow more like Jesus. Stroga as it is, day in, day out. You cannot see God for who he is and not care less about treasuring any other thing day by day over him. He has to be our number one treasure. That's what it means. to know who God is. When you know him, you treasure him above all else and you're gonna fight to make sure that that is appropriated in day-to-day behavior. I could not meaningfully call myself Lindsay's husband if I again and again, without much more than a shrug of the shoulders, chose other people, other activities, other priorities than her. What our marriage means is that it's necessary to work at it. It's necessary to, to seek to work that out day by day. It's the same with us and God. What this new life in the Spirit that God has achieved for us, what that means is that it's necessary for, want to, for us to want to put sin to death. It's necessary, and praise God, it's possible. We put sin to death by the Spirit. He has, quoting Doug Moo again, taken up residence within us. Producing in us that mindset which tends toward the doing of God's will and resists the way of the flesh. It's possible to put sin to death because of God, because God lives in us, because God is at work in us. He's changing us. That's amazing grace, dear friends. There is hope for you in your struggle with sin. Some of us have wrestled with sin for years. There is hope because God lives in us. That's amazing grace and part of us swimming in that ocean of grace is that we go to war with sin in our lives. Dallas Willard put it like this, grace is not opposed to effort. Don't let anyone tell you that. Grace is not opposed to effort, Willard says. Grace is opposed to earning, okay? So we don't earn because God is the only one who can give us what we truly need. But that living that out day by day, that's going to take effort. We, we're brought into this new reality by the grace of God and then we work it out. And we can and we must. And we can because the Spirit lives in us and by Him we put sin to death. So now we're coming to close. I just invite you to close your eyes. We're going to come and just pray. How does this work? What does that little phrase, by the Spirit, mean? What does it mean? If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We want life this morning, right? So what does by the Spirit mean? Remember Dear friend, God is with you. Remember God is inside you. Remember he dwells in you. Remember he is here now among us. Remember that you are free. Don't listen to the old slave masters. Walk in your freedom. Remember that according to verse three, all your sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus Christ on the cross. And allow that to shape how you think about the temptations that you will face this coming week. Jesus has dealt with it. Come to Jesus and take up your cross and follow him. Live in the life and peace that are yours through the Spirit. Ask God to transform you by renewing your mind. Pray for a new mind. Science is catching up to this reality that our behavior literally rewires our brains. God can renew your mind. Pray for him to do that. Live in community and accountability with others of a like mind. Ask for prayer regularly. Get to know this God and his love more and more, little by little, day by day. Some of us were praying at lunchtime this Wednesday that we as a church would rest in the perfect love of God. pray every day to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you're living in His power not your own and come to church and take bread and wine and cast yourself on Him again and again and find time do whatever you need to do to find time to finally behold the glory of of Jesus. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Dear friends, we can't do that with just 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. We need to find rhythms in our life to behold the glory of Jesus. To wonder at who he is and what he's done for us, at his great love, his perfect purity of character, his wisdom, his unfolding plan. Oh Father in heaven. We pray that you would grant us the grace this week to find little ways in our day-to-day lives. Lord, that we would behold your glory with the veil removed, basking in the glory and the wonder of the freedom that you have won for us. Father, help us take whatever steps we need to take, how many different steps Sources of information and things we fill our head with. Give us the grace this week to find time, the blessing to bask and wonder at the glory of Jesus Christ. And in that, Father, in that freedom, in that beautiful place, thank you that by your grace it says that your spirit is changing us from glory to glory into the same image as Jesus Christ. Oh, God, would you do that in me? Would you do that in us? Would you do that in our church? Build us together to be that beautiful temple of the Holy Spirit that we know we are. Please, God. Father, I just pray for anyone here who has just battled with one particular sin issue for years. I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you break that chain again here today and that through what you've been saying to us in this time, this would be a moment, this would be a a change, this would be a day that that person can look back to and say, that was when God set me free. That was when I learned again to live in that freedom. Oh God, we want to be like Jesus. Help us, we pray. Amen.